What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is my good buddy, E-Man, drummer and recording extraordinaire. His main project these days is Andy Grammer, but he's always busy recording out of his home studio near LA and playing with a bunch of sweet folks. Over the years, he's worked with many amazing artists and producers, including Gwen Stefani, Cody Simpson, Steve Lukather, Tommy Page, Tyler Johnson, Rabbit, and it goes on and on. He's also performed on SNL, David Letterman, The Tonight Show, all those big fat shows. But at the end of the day, I consider him a good friend and he's just a genuinely good and playful soul. I love you, E-Man. Let's hang out more. Okay, here are the five records that shaped E-Man into the drummer he is today. Cheers. I've been really enjoying the pro drum shop kind of Instagram. They've been doing this beat of the day thing recently. Oh yeah. So if you were to go in there and they said, E-Man, we're just going to push play for 30 seconds. What would you play? Oh, probably like four on the floor and eighth notes (laughs) on the hat. Just because I get so many calls after that video too. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just feel like I, I remember being like 16 or 17 and like hearing that on something, I don't know, and being like, wow, they don't flam when they do that. <laughs> you know, like it's just the only movement that can happen is on the eight on the upbeats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if yeah. it if it starts flaming, it just feels weird. And I feel like anybody that can play drums well can play that beat really well. And it's just like a go to for me. I'm still working on it. I'll let you know when I figure it out. I mean, there's good days and bad days, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So when you were actually putting this list together, what was your mindset? How did you compartmentalize the five? Well, I had just meditated and uh, I was just trying to think of like, uh, wow, this is so LA. I just meditated. Uh, But I was I was going to laugh because I didn't know if it was a joke or not. But then I was like, no, I know you meditate. So I just let it go. Yeah, and I was just kind of sitting there like, okay, what? Because there's so many albums, so many songs, so many like bootlegs that Mm. have just dramatically changed my life. Like I'm immediately thinking of this bootleg of like Vinnie Caliuta, uh, Greg Matheson, uh, Abe Laboreal, the dad. The dad, the bass player. Um, And oh my God, I can't remember the guitar player's name right now, but he's like another in that crew of dudes. And it's them at Baked Potato in like the late 90s. And just like the audacity of some of the playing that is happening. It's like these guys all have day gigs as real musicians. And then they go have a couple of drinks and just blow people's minds. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody, you know, opens the gates. So there's like those that came to mind. And then I was like, yeah, but, you know, none of that really made me change the way I play. And then I think this list I like vividly remember 
especially like some of the honorable mentions mm-hmm. that stuff really like all i mean all of them but some of them i was like whoa i need to stop what i'm doing and start doing what they're doing yep yeah all right well let's just jump into number one and then we'll see yeah. we'll we'll get to those honorable mentions but Number one is uh, the album's MTV Unplugged from 2001. The artist is uh, Alejandro Sanz. And the song choice is, um, oh my God. How about you say it? Do you remember? <laughs> Wait, I don't remember. Se la apagó la luz. That's what I said. Yeah. So what that is, is they, they turned off the light and it's implying towards like a woman or a significant other. The song is great. And Vinny Caliuda behind the kit and you said at minute 340 the fill yeah okay so i want to i want to preface this because like this whole thing is live right Mm -hmm. there's the live record which you hear on spotify or whatever you have and then there's the live dvd and what makes this special to me was like you know anytime you do a live recording they go in they sweeten vocals they sweeten strings they sweeten everything up they make it you know they put the final frosting on the cake but mm-hmm. this live DVD, for some re- reason, is not the same as the live CD. <laughs> so oh, wow. there's, like, some really raw stuff happening with, like, horn players, string players, background vocalists that are, like, a little sus. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, timing is a little weird. Not Vinny, but, like, some of the other things that are moving. But for some reason, the only thing that doesn't change is Vinny on any of these versions. So it's like, oh, wow. Like, I remember being excited to watch this live DVD because I had heard the record. And then I was like, wait, he's not doing anything different. I could hear the immediately hear differences in the other instruments, but not Vinny. So he literally was like one take live done. That's that's like the standard for mm-hmm. him, you know. So so go ahead, play it. And, and the, what I mean about the fill is like, to me, this is everything that's great about Vinny and everything that's great about like, an emotional situation in music, how you're just taking something and you can just make, just li- let's listen. It's so, to me, it's like unbelievably emotional. Okay. And I'm going to start it. You said 340. I'm going to start it just to give build up at about 315. So people know in about 20 ish seconds, they'll, the fill. <laughs> Here it comes. This is so Vinny. <laughs> I was going to say just his cross stick. It's like yeah. that is the perfect. I've heard drummers talk about it. You know, people have been pontificating on that for years, but that is just the sample that ends yeah. all samples. Yeah. And, and that cross is all throughout this album, which you can hear. And, you know, I don't know if Vinny speaks a lick of Spanish or not, but what's happening in the song and then what he plays is just like, it's not even the perfect thing. It's the right thing. Emotion. Mm-hmm. That fill is so emotional. There's space, but there's a ton of chops and facility at the same time. Yeah. And then he plays it and he just goes back to playing like the most boring, basic, you know and that's why i love this whole record but that song specifically when i was thinking about this i was like every time i get to that point i get like overwhelmed with joy if i can ever just do that on a song and it gets recorded i'll be i I can die happy (laughs) have you gotten close 
I think so. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, it's it's still not like when I listen back to it, I don't feel the same way. <laughs> but yeah. maybe because it's Vinny, and maybe somebody else hears me play, it and they're like, "Oh, that's great," or "That's really good," you know. So great job. I don't know. Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, number two, and the album is yeah. Asia. The release years nineteen seventy eight. The artist is Steely Dan. Song choice is all of them, and yeah, uh, yeah I mean it, this has has the greats on it. it. Has Keltner, Purdy, Gad, Murata. I think I I arbitrarily was like maybe I'll play Peg. I yeah. think that one's cool, um, and I think a lot of people talk about Purdy and Gad here. Keltner obviously not enough. So if you want to listen to one from there, but I was thinking Peg. But yeah, just where were you when this record came into your life? What about it did you take? I'll tell you everything. I was 13 playing the first, my first, I did this many times and lost uh, my first uh, guitar center drum off. And I was in West Covina, California, and I was nervous as fuck. And I show up (laughs) and uh, my brother drove me there and his friend was like, one of the the guys working at Guitar Center. And so he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure he gets like to play. Because I think I was probably the youngest one. I'm sitting there, I'm like sh- literally shaking because I don't ever, at that point I had only played drums in church. So for me to play outside of church was already like weird. You just you know, do one big tom the... build. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, wow, I didn't even think of that then. I was so nervous. And... <laughs> <laughs> I I'm just kind of going through my head like okay what can I do what can I do and then Asia starts playing and it's the symbol thing and I was like oh I know what that is cool and then, and then it gets to like the Wayne shorter sax solo with Vit and sorry with Gad just going nuts mm-hmm. just like I remember staring at the speaker like in disbelief that this was like not rock music not I didn't even know what jazz was like. It wasn't what I grew up playing. Yeah. It was just like, so, it just blew me away. And the fact that a drummer got away with that, <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Know. Obviously he's playing towards the music and playing for the song. And so I, I remember I got up and I walked up to my, my brother's friend and I was like, what are you playing? Like, what is that? And he's like, Oh, I, I don't really know, but I think it's on this mix. And then the, he like took the CD out. This is how old I am took the CD out and on the CD it had written Asia Steely Dan. And, and like, I'll never forget the way it looked. You know what I mean? And I just remember like knowing enough of like what it sounded like, like the thunder that I just went for it in the drum solo and it totally sucked and I didn't make the next stage, but I just was like, I, I, I want to play like that at like 13. What I hear you telling that story is someone who's judging a drum off doesn't know what Asia is. Oh <laughs> I my think gosh. that person should not be judging a drum off. But yeah, you know, I guess it's a sign of the times. I also, when I was thirteen, yeah. had no idea what Asia was or who. Yeah, where is Asia? Actually, I even know where Asia was at that point. And yeah, I just also like when I think about this record, the craftsmanship of a, of a song, and not in like how pop music is created today, but like for that era, that was like pushing shit along mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it was also not cool at the same time but it was also the coolest thing ever yeah so i play whatever you want from that record because it's like i think the record starts with purdy and then there's a few other guys that i'm not too familiar with on that record but even those songs are great yeah i actually had it pulled up um personnel it was uh the other drummer well, rick Murata. 
Bernard, Ed Green is on I Got the News. I've never heard of okay. Ed Green. And then, yeah, Paul Humphrey is on yeah. Black Cow. But yeah, it's, it's and then, of course, Jim Keltner. So, yeah, there's only seven songs in the record. It's, it's, it's Humphrey, Gad, Purdy, Murata, Purdy again, Ed Green, and then Jim Keltner. So, yeah. Okay, so maybe you can play Peg, and then, like, there's this, like, post-chorus thing on Josie that, like, is kind of blew my mind. Well, oh, what I was going to say was one really great thing about this record is that for me, my introduction to it was like the super intense drummy shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older and still to this day, I will listen to that record and just like the precise playing, but the groovy playing that's happening throughout this whole record and like the weird stuff that's happening, like on Josie, I've heard stories of Keltner playing trash can lids or his cases or stuff like that. And it's like, wow, they're doing this back then. I feel cool when I throw a big fat snare drum. Just kidding. Wow. That's it. Here we, we did are. it. Thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> you man. Have a great day, man. No, you know, it's like you, you throw like a jingle or something. It's like, ah, they, they were doing this in the seventies. Yeah, I remember when I first heard this record, I, that was when I was in my punk rock phase, and I was like, these drums sound so dry and dead, and I hate them, and now this is my favorite drum sound. It's so good. The hi-hat stuff. I saw some interview of him talking about the hi-hat stuff, and he was like, I, I showed it to Steely Dan, and they were like, Dan, don't play that stuff. And then when we recorded, I played it. <laughs> It's I mean, so this good. sounds like this sounds like a track you'd play on. Oh, like thanks. This, this sounds like you, man. Some of those vocals, they're like, Aah. yeah, they get well, so theatrical about it. It's so, f oh, really? Oh, yeah. so simple all right so let's go into Josie wow. now you were saying it's like a post chorus yeah hey y'all I wanted to <laughs> I can't say I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co it's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. 
And, and Preston actually, this is why it's called the ocean patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye all right I'll just go maybe a minute and a half into it His touch. What a great film. <laughs> Kick drum. Yeah, it's just like jeez. It's just like somehow appropriate for the era and also so like way ahead in advance of anything else that's happening. You know what it is? It's almost like Steely Dan like created a super team NBA team with drummers yeah. and they just got like the Shaq, they got the Kobe, they got the LeBron, they got all of them and they're like they're all on these records. Good luck. This there's nothing better than this ever again. <laughs> I'm sure there is, but like from like a studio drummer perspective, like that's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, the so devil's good. in the I'm details sorry. with all those tracks for sure. Yeah, and the more you listen to it, the more you hear stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I would highly encourage people to go down that discography. And then like there's all the, like the newer Steely Dan records because you get like Carlock, like one of my personal heroes, Ricky Lawson's on Two Against Nature. Mm. Like just like a lot of that stuff is just crafted in such a way that it really showcases really good pocket, really good groove, and then the creativity within all that, which is, you know, really, really fun. And then one of my favorite drummers, Jim Gordon, is also on a bunch of oh their stuff, I believe, earlier than Asia. Anyways. Um, yeah. All right. Why don't we just 
Why don't we just we chop Number right through three. that? Number three. Album is Songs for the Deaf. Release year is 2002. The artist is Queens of the Stone Age. Song choices go with the flow and Mr. Grohl on drums. So take it away. Yeah, I mean, Dave Grohl, it's obvious to pick Nirvana or Foo Fighters or, you know, R.I.P. Taylor. But like all of that stuff is incredible. But to me, this was the first time I heard him outside of his like wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like listening to him with Petty. You oh, know, yeah. like, I don't know if you ever saw that live performance of him with Petty and you're like, whoa, this guy's just a badass drummer. Like on SNL. If, if he wasn't in, yeah, if he wasn't in bands, if he wasn't in, a great artist on his own, this guy would have a career like nobody else's mm -hmm. um, because he just plays to a song in a way that nobody else does. And it's still so grohl like on this record. And, and I know he's playing on a couple other things where he's just a drummer. The sounds of this stuff, the aggression, like how they recorded it. All of this is so fascinating to me. You know, like I think all this whole record, there's no symbols. They're all overdub symbols. Like he's hitting like plastic uh, V drums or, you know, or, or like electronic symbols or something. I don't know. I, I haven't gotten too into it, but from what I've seen online and read from the guy who produced it and engineered it, Eric Valentine, it's like, it was very isolated drums mm -hmm. and then symbols on top of that. I've heard but, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, like no one knows is like the song, right? Like everybody loves that song, but there's just something so cool about this song. That's like on the border of going over the cliff. <laughs> like it, the entire time it feels like this song is, is going to fall apart because it's being pushed so much. And I just, that feeling of angst is something that I think really only Grohl knows how to do. Um, right. Yeah. Hit it. Here hit we go. It, go with the flow. <laughs> is like borderline way too ahead. <laughs> halftime pauses here and then immediately like doesn't lose energy even yep. though they're pulling it back not tempo wise but feel wise it's so cool It's good. like, I, I want to keep talking, but it just sounds and feels so good. I Like, who cares what I think? Like, if you haven't heard these records, like, I don't know. What do you think? You've heard this record, right? Yeah, I was just yeah. saying, I, I wonder how difficult it is to just 
only record cymbals. Because at that point, if you think of the opposite of him playing the the V drum cymbals, he's in there with just the cymbals and nothing else. And how to like when he's doing oh those that like splash before he goes back into the hi hat with like it's it's either a like a a quick cymbal like or a, a hi hat bark. Yeah. yeah. It's like to do that and then go back into it, not having that little rim shot to go with it, how awkward that oh. would feel. It just only makes him that much more of a badass. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's just so good to be able to come up with these parts. Mm-hmm. You know, from what I've heard is like these parts happen like quick. There wasn't like pre-production to a lot of this. Like it just kind of happened real fast. And that guy is so good. Yeah, go for it. Just because just because we're on this record, I do want to play. I, we played it before with 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 Gunner, but this is also one of the coolest drum intros of all time. The album's uh, songs for yep. the deaf. This is the song gonna... for the dead. Great. I know what you're gonna play, and it's so good. you dave yeah man it's also okay so here's the thing i'm so fascinated by this because like my background is is not rock i didn't grow Mm -hmm. up with rock like i grew up where like that was the devil's music you know Mm -hmm. so like when i heard stuff like this i was always like oh god this is this is not the devil's music like you know (laughs) what i mean like like there's no difference in what he just played in some of those fills as that first like vinnie caliuta thing Mm -hmm. like the space in there the flaming Mm-hmm. The from that's also in Asia, you know, yep. like there's there's like all this um space, there's all this like weird jazz vocabulary inside of this rock music. I don't know for me that really when I heard that, I was like, oh, I know how to do that. I just have to play it with like way more intensity, and I think I could be passable in this genre that I'm not very good at. So like when I heard that stuff, it really encouraged me that oh, okay. I just gotta, I gotta connect with this to be able to play it. I don't know. It's just really cool that like all this drumming. It's just so nerdy and drummy. If somebody transcribed that and then had some like, you know, hip jazz dude play it, it just does notation. It would be one of the coolest like four bar, eight bar things that that guy could play or gal could play. So, um, you know, it, it was just very inspiring, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past anybody to not listen to stuff like this because of whatever they might believe. It's so good. Well, number four, speaking of devil music, uh, Pages of Life by Fred yes. Hammond came out in 1998. <laughs> Song choices, Let the Praise Begin Live. <laughs> Marvin McQuitty. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I, I was like 14 or 15. My brother's like 10 years older than I am. And so he had a car. And we were in his Jeep Cherokee. And he's like, hey, check out this like double album by Fred Hammond. Uh, and I, you know, growing up in church, you kind of knew who Fred Hammond was, mm-hmm. even though I grew up like pretty Hispanic dominated church world. You know, the, the gospel musicians were always like, if you can get to that level, then you're you're it. And he he started playing the album. And this is the first song on this live album because it's a double album. It's all like 
studio stuff and then they went and did a live performance. There's also a live video of this. This is great. And Marvin McQuitty was playing. Uh, and then years later, probably like five or six years later, I got to meet him and watch him play with another Christian artist. And I was opening up for that artist. And he just floored me. Like I got to experience, like, you know, when you watch a really good drummer play, like there's a certain amount of like air that gets moved when they're playing. Mm-hmm. And I was like literally sitting on the riser and just feeling every beat. And it was unbelievable. And then I, with, you know, fan nerd gushed all over him over this. And he was like, oh, man, that was just like a Friday night. <laughs> you know, it was just like, okay, great. But yeah, this song, just listen to the pocket and the snare sound. The snare sound is awesome. But the pocket is like, it's so good. I, that's, I, I'm not, I'm like running out of words just because I remember sitting in that car listening to this first song. Mm-hmm. and like not really understanding the feel and then it just it just kind of went oh i get it now yep. wow that's i have to play like that if i want to be good perfect well, here we go let the praise begin live Sounds like it should be on the Ace Ventura soundtrack. this is appropriate can you play glory to glory to glory yeah of course uh like this song too is just kind of like this whole album is great the pocket is so good just like it's pushing but it's sitting it's like i don't know i get really happy when i hear this stuff yeah and the chord progressions here bass player is insane yeah yeah it's just 
It's really good. Okay, so I don't know how many of your listeners or if you have ever played with a choir, especially um, no. uh, like a gospel choir, the energy coming from them is one thing. So it like kind of makes you want to rush. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're feeling 50, 100, 200, 300 people feel time the same way you're trying to feel time. And so you're like pushing, pulling, you're doing, you're constantly adjusting. Mm-hmm. I've experienced this a few times in my life. And the best thing that happens is when you don't move, if there's any indication of how solid Marvin is in this playing, it's like everyone is feeling what he's feeling. And he is like the rock of that thing. I'm sure they're playing to a click, but like the choir, you think they had click? No, they're listening to the drummer. Yeah. You know, they're listening to the slapback. They're listening, you know, they're being affected by all this stuff, their internal time. And there's just something really beautiful about everybody just agreeing like, hey, here's where it's going to feel good. And Mm -hmm. to have whatever amount of people that was to just go, this feels great. And then it gets recorded. It's like, of course, you're going to feel that. Has has he played with any other people besides Fred Hammond, or is he kind of known for yeah. that? I mean, he was known for this. He he definitely was around in the church scene. He passed away a few years ago, but he was, you know, he's like one of the greats, especially yeah. in, in, in that world. Mm-hmm. And there's other recordings with him on there, uh, like Fred Hammond, Kirk Franklin stuff, you know, just it's so good. It's so good. All right, number five is Paradise Valley. The release year is 2013. The artist is John Mayer. The song choice is Paper Doll and Sterloid. Aaron Sterling is the drummer, which, yeah. weirdly enough, he's not talked about. Maybe because a lot of his stuff's people will want to go a little bit further back in history, but yeah, Aaron's not talked about enough. I don't know why. So, Aaron, okay, I've always said this about Aaron. Like, imagine if it was 1975 through like 1980s right now right somewhere in that time frame and we had all the social media stuff everything we had phones everything is the same the only difference is the time we're living in it would be like being able to text steve gadd or jeff picaro on instagram and say like hey man this is great or it would be like watching jeff picaro post something and be like oh my god this guy's doing this you know and the, the amount of times i have had moments where I I listen to or watch Aaron play and go like, fuck, I give up. All right, I'm out. <laughs> like, like, and he's what, like five years older than I am? Like, yeah, he's a young dude. You know, he's, he's pretty young. It, it, and having that access to somebody as great as him and having him be so open about it, I like, I can only imagine how cool it would be to watch Vinny in that era or like, I don't know if they would be doing it, but, you know, like, we should really appreciate him for being so open and being so cool about this is what I'm actually doing. And here it is. Take it as you want, you know, and that is very inspiring to me in so many ways that it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just really effing cool to like be able to experience that every day. You literally, we can go on Instagram right now and watch literally one of the best drummers in the world, post something from his studio. Like, that's wild to think about. And then also, he plays stuff like this. Like, this song is just, I mean, let's play it. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Here's Paper Doll.
try it on. Can you play the intro one more time? Of course. Like, just listen, listen to everything that's happening within like the first two bars. Like the tone of the bass drum, mm-hmm. whatever overdubs are happening. I don't know. I've never, I've never asked him what did you do. At least I don't remember doing that. And even the simple act of doing the hi-hat on the upbeats has, it pushes the, it's, you have two different tempos going on. Exactly. Different feels going on. Feels. so funny because he has so much personality but then he knows yeah. how to just be so super selfless um, yeah on the drums if i'm looking back at what we've played like every single one of these drummers in those songs still sounded like themselves but still served the song yeah you know what i mean and that to me is like the goal that i'm constantly trying to reach where it's mm-hmm. like i can i can learn and played new chops every day of my life and i would love doing that but if i get recorded i want somebody to go that's Mm e-man that's what i look for and that's what that's what i strive for it's just so beautiful when you hear somebody at peak excellence recorded at peak excellence and themselves gets recorded it's just so cool and that's what i love i really do there's there's nothing better than that well not to put you on the spot but how do you feel that you are moving towards that. Uh, in what sense? In what sense? In the sense of finding your voice. How do you feel that that's something that every day you're working towards? Like, do you have any any tangible things you can give for advice that people would be like, oh my God, I 100% agree with him. How the hell do I do that? Oh yeah, I think what you have to do is is you have to be mindful of what you're playing and not to get back to like this whole meditation thing, but like, do I need that snare drum? Do I need that crash? Do I need this there? Like, what are, what are the, the licks or what are the feels I tend to go to? Like, you asked me, what would be my, like, pro drum shop 30-second clip? And it would probably probably be for on the floor because I know I worked so hard for it to feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And just being able to have control over the way something feels without being aggressive, I guess, is the, the most interesting way to say it. It's like, there's this delicate balance of, like, this is how it needs to be, but I'm also open to everything being the way it needs to be and not pushing anything too far or too much or, you know, it's getting really heady really quick, but it's just <laughs> understand, it's understanding like what is happening in this room right now? What, what can I do to make it better? Mm-hmm. And often it's less. Yeah. Rarely does somebody go, I saw your Instagram. You did this like 
this choppy thing. It's like, no, no. Most of the time it's like, can you just go boom, smack, boom, boom, smack, or a variation of that. And how you play that, how you sound when you do it, how you like do the internal mixing of stuff, right? Like basically like how, how loud is my hat? How loud is my snare? How loud is my kick? And I honestly think the only way you get better at that is by listening to other people and not trying to copy them, but trying to absorb them. And, mm-hmm. and understand why they made those choices. To, all right, to, to reel this all back in, I would say if you're looking for your own voice, you already have it. And it's just a matter of finding it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that I love about meditation is this concept of look for your head. I, I don't know about you. I can't find it. I know where it is. It's above my shoulders, <laughs> but I can't see it. Even yeah. in a mirror, right? Like without a mirror, like... Look for it. If you're constantly looking for it, eventually you're going to find yourself. All right. So your first of two honorable mentions is Usher Live with Brendan Fraser Moore playing You Make Me Wanna. When I was in college, I had the privilege of playing in a drum line with Gwen Stefani. And we did like SNL and we did all these like really great things as like an 18, 19 year old kid. You're like, holy shit. Like I'm, I'm standing next to Will Ferrell. Like these, you know, these are like great things as a kid. And then what I remember of all of those things was we did these, like we did one like music awards thing. And Brian at that time was playing Brian, Brian Fraser Moore was playing with, uh, yeah, was playing with Christina Aguilera. And one, I like backstage, just walking around, nerding out with my friend on the drum set. Like, oh, he's got two bass drums. He's got like four snares and he's got pads on it. Like, you know, you're 19. I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is so cool. And then I met him. I was like, hey, I'm playing bass drum with Quint Stefani. Can I come hang out with you at some time? He's like, oh, we got rehearsals for a tour. You should just come to a rehearsal. And so me and my friend went to the rehearsal and... I got to watch Brian Fraser Moore rehearse a new tour, like from the riser. And that led me to like down the rabbit hole of him. And I was like, and and that's when I realized, Oh, there's this, like I'm here. And these guys are like up here, not only on like playing wise, but like how they hung out with each other, how they're talking to each other, the banter, everything. I like watched them audition a guitar player and like, saw the tension in the room when certain people were not what they thought they were going to be. And like, I I just remember sitting, we went for two days and just like, Whoa, this is what it takes. And now to think that guy is still doing it at that level Mm -hmm. is like unbelievable. But one of the treasures that I found, I didn't grow up with this music, right? Was this like live Usher album and it's him playing drums. And from the second you start playing the song, you can tell it's him. And that's another thing. It's just, it's him. All right, here we go. You make me wanna. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before.
about how he was hanging out with people what did you meet was it just like he was nothing but positive or how was how was that interaction that like really stuck with you they were friends everybody in that band were friends you know i don't think uh the artist was there but like all the background singers were there the md was there the bass players were there. they were auditioning guitar players you know production managers front of house people everybody playback they were all just like we all have a job to do but we're all gonna have fun while we're doing this job you know and it was honestly a, a blast to experience that, especially like because I had just come from what I thought was like the height of like me. Right. Like I'm 19. I'm on freaking SNL and on Letterman. This is the best. It didn't matter. This was like somebody actually doing what I want to do. And if it, it was really cool to experience that, it really yeah. was. Yeah. Just for the sake of time, let's let's choose. Maybe one uh, other honorable mention. So you have Steely yeah. Dan's Two Against Nature, Beatles songs, other John Mayer stuff, anything from Jeff Beccaro. But do you want to do you want to stick with Steely Dan? Just because uh, I mean, we could talk about Ringo and and John Mayer and Beccaro all day. Uh, but the other Steely Dan stuff was just because it had like Keith Carlock on it, and and Ricky played on a couple of that stuff, mm-hmm. which is cool. But now that I'm thinking about it, like I rec- I was driving in my car and and it popped up. Cause I do the like Spotify shuffle mm-hmm. and uh, Miss Sugar pulled up for like three songs. Which album? Let's go Obzen. Obzen. Okay. That's the al- yeah. That's the album that has bleed on it. But I mean, just go from the top combustion. Thomas or Thomas is a mother effer. I remember first hearing of them like probably 2006, 2007 and just like full dive in. Let's go. Like I didn't understand it. I still understand it. I've never bought or owned a double pedal in my life or two bass drums. Have I ever thought about setting them up? But the influence I get from that is how do you make something feel good? Similar to the choir thing, which is a weird thing. There's all this shit happening as the drummer. How do you make it feel good? How do you make it just like immovable? 
if I ever think about my playing, which I try not to, but I just want people to sit down and forget that I'm there. Yeah, I remember I heard someone say it a long time ago where it's like uh, like a good costume designer. If you're watching a, like a period piece, if you don't notice the costumes, that's mean, that means you're in the world. It means they're doing their job. So your job is to not, yeah, to not be pulled out of the world. So, well, awesome. this is this is your time to do some self-promotion. You were talking about your previous uh, lessons. If people realize that they can't record themselves and they want to secretly have you record it and send it to the client, how can people get a hold of you to do that? And uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can. Thank you for letting me self-promote. You can find me on uh, social media if you want. Though I'm not spending too much time there recently, but it's still fun. I still give myself some time to doom scroll. And mm-hmm. yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Drum Away Email. I'm sure you'll link. Uh, I have a website. Mm-hmm. I have a drum pack you can download and use samples. It's great. Uh, you can make beats with my beats. And, and if you're you know not a drummer and you want to hire me to play drums on your song, I can do that because I have a dope studio and I'm very proud of it. So, Yes. All right. Well, I will let you go. I know you had a session today, so you're probably tired of both talking to me and in general. We can we can stop it there. I'll just pretend like we're saying goodbye and then we'll talk for a second. But uh, have a good day. Okay. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye!